Hi, I'm Michael. Welcome to Beyond the Screenplay. Today we're talking about the film Searching. I'm joined by part of the Lessons from the Screenplay team, Alex Cayeros. Hi. And we have the creative team behind Searching here, writer-producer Sev Ohanian. Hey. And writer-director Anis Chaganti. Uh, Anish Chaganti. Chaganti. You always had it. I, you always had it. <laughs> I can, see you, I can see you thinking about it yeah. and like wanting to get it right, which is, all, yeah. Okay. You tried. Hello, you tried. regardless, you know? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, thank you guys so much for joining us. This is so exciting. Uh, so Alex and I saw Searching at the screening you guys had at LACMA last year, and I've never been in a screening that had like that kind of energy. Like the house was packed and everyone was just really excited and it's the kind of movie where there's a lot of opportunity for audience reaction. And it was so much fun being in an audience that was like along for like so into it and like so down. Yeah. And like <laughs> whispering of like, oh, did that person do it? And to like, there was just this like energy in there. And it's one of my favorite screenings that I've ever been to. And yeah, it's a great movie. You guys did an awesome job. So congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Um, can we say something first, too? Yes. I, I just got to say, this is such an amazing honor for us to be talking to you guys because like no joke lessons from the screenplay is my shit <laughs> like I, i've watched every episode some of them multiple times and what's crazy for me is like and i was telling you this michael i've you know recently i've had the um really cool privilege to be involved with some huge movies at some big studios and like in these executive boardrooms people will bring up they'll like cite something like somebody was like no the hero and the and the you know villain have to have like diametrically opposed goals. And I'm like, no, they don't. Who says that? He's like, I saw it in lessons from the screenplay. I was like, oh, okay. All right, yeah, let's do that. Let's do it. If so, Michael says it, yeah, so, that's, that's what it is. So this is really cool. We're, you know, the fact that you guys are taking a look at our movie and talking to us is really awesome. Awesome. Well, yeah, so let's talk about it. So, so actually, so for you guys, how did you start working together? What was sort of the story of you two? So we both met uh, uh, while we were at USC. So I was an undergrad film student there and Sev was a graduate TA there and we were in the same class and he was my TA uh, is the short answer. I was it. a student, but, and, which I was. He well, was a student was, simultaneously, but yes. to me, he was a TA. <laughs> exactly. uh, he's always many things at once, but at that moment, uh, <laughs> our relationship was not defined by student TA. Um, but yeah, no, we, we just kind of, we were in this, I was in a producing class and that's how I met him. And the reason I was in a producing class um, was because the only way to direct uh, a, an undergraduate thesis film at USC was by taking another class that was a, around uh, or a different aspect of, of filmmaking first and I picked producing and so I took that class met him um, we really got along and we started kind of developing a relationship and then he went off and made our Fruitvale Station and that went on to have the life that it had um, and then I remember being like oh my gosh this guy okay I have to keep working with him and so basically I, one day I, I, I reached out to him and I was like hey man congratulations can I take you out to drinks and I had a plan in my head and the plan was I'm going to pitch him five movie ideas and whichever one he liked the most, I would just say it's my favorite and, and just see what that does. Um, this is a true story. And I, I came up with five ideas uh, that were kind of ranged the gamut of, of genre um, and style and stuff and pitched it to him. And he was really liked one of those ideas. And I was like, no way, that's that's crazy. That's my favorite idea. Um, <laughs> and uh, slowly, 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 that became our, our writing relationship. We ended up writing that movie, which ended up being like this $90 million action adventure, like crazy big movie that two unknown screenwriters should not have been writing. But um, it was the beginning of our relationship. And kind of from there on, um, all the projects, everything kind of built on that base uh, from there. Totally, yeah. So like lesson from the screenplay number one lie you know <laughs> deceive yeah, you're right. yeah, manipulate yeah. it'll yeah. always yeah. pay off as it did for it's a hook Chaganti. it's a hook for an opening you know? um <laughs> but yeah i mean like like any said you know we met at film school and we were always kind of very much on the same wavelength of the kind of films we wanted to make and we really got along our energy was you know super on point so you know that 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 script that anish pitched or the idea that he pitched me that we ended up writing together was like anish said far too big far too ambitious and it wasn't something that was gonna get made at that time but the experience and working together and kind of figuring it out was a really productive start to our relationship. And and it kind of carried us, you know, at the time he was just graduating from film school. I was already producing a couple of really low budget indie films. And we kept trying to find an opportunity to do something really good together. And one day that opportunity came in the form of Google. 
they had reached out to a number of film schools around the country because they had these new devices coming out um, called the Google Glasses. You guys remember those? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Rest in peace. They all faded. Um, yeah. and, and the glasses, uh, you know, they had a camera on them. And their goal was to find a way to market the viability of using the camera on the glass as a filmmaking device. Which is obviously not. Um, <laughs> but it was like 720p. The, I mean, 1080p cameras had existed. And these things were 780 or 720. And, and literally, it, it would heat up the on the side if you wore it too long. Oh my God. I, too long is in 30 yeah, seconds. It, oh it was crazy. And they would die really quickly. So I had to have like a battery charging, charging pack USB out the side of it into my pocket. On uh, the entire time, but 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 basically, so Google reached out and they asked all these film schools to like have their alumni put together short tech demo videos. You know, maybe showing somebody waking up, walking around, like what what what's happening. USC asked me to produce it. I brought on Anish to direct it because he was always super talented at school. And as we were starting to put this project together, we were given a script from the school that we had to shoot. It was a mm-hmm. it was a death metal music video. Um, and wait, really? Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> shot I, with the Google Glass. It was it was death metal music video shot okay. with Google Glass. You okay. know, it was just re- it was the project that was given to us. USC really likes to treat every project like almost like simulate a real like studio environment um, for better or for worse. So like literally every like they try to kind of create that system. Mm-hmm. Um, and the the script that we got with it was a death metal music video. And I remember looking at that script for like a couple of weeks asking myself why before I finally had the courage <laughs> to ask Zev, like, why, why are we doing this? You know, our budget was, we had pennies, we had pennies to make this thing. Um, and, you know, I we started going on the YouTube channel for Google Glass and realized they had no commercials. And we were like, why not just make them a commercial without them asking for it? You know, the word glass hole is getting popular. Like we can, this is a good time to like put out a <laughs> word there and, and who knows, like it could be a thing. Um, so a couple days later, I, I knocked on Sev's door at like 11 o'clock at night, um, because I had a crazy idea that I couldn't pitch over the phone, which involved me going to India, uh, to make this really cheap movie, but, uh, on the pair of Google glasses. And I pitched it to him and he's like, we have to make that movie. And about a week later, I was on a flight to India, um, with me wearing the same clothes, a wedding ring for two weeks straight, uh, and shooting a movie through South India, um, and the journey the whole way through. We came back, put that video together. It ended up being a two and a half minute video called Seeds. Um, when we put it online, it got a million hits in a day and a couple million by the weekend. We went on Time Magazine. He was on Bloomberg TV. Um, and I got a call from Google that weekend saying, hey, we saw this video. Do you want to come out to New York and, and make commercials for us? So that was the sort of origin story of us as filmmakers um, beyond just the the college friends that were kind of figuring things out. Um, and I took that job and moved to New York and spent two years writing, developing and directing Google commercials while he was still in LA producing and continuing to produce a bunch of projects. Um, and meanwhile, every day we'd kind of be on the phone figuring out how we could get back into feature land. Exactly. So, mm. you know, our, our goal was ultimately to make a feature film, you know, especially me being an indie producer at the time and each having not directed anything yet, it made sense to try and find something small or develop something small. And one day I was um, invited to have a general meeting with a company called Basilevs. And that was a company, production company run by Timur Bekmamatov, who's this Russian director. He did like Wanted, Nightwatch, mm. um, Ben-Hur recently. And, you know, I took that meeting like many other meetings. But in the meeting, they kept talking about a film of theirs that had just come out called Unfriended. And I wasn't super familiar with it at the time, but Unfriended was a movie that is a horror film, takes place on computer screens, on one computer screen uh, that they produced with Jason Blum. And it was made for very little money and it made a ton of money. So in this meeting, they were really like pushing, like, we want to make more computer stuff. Do you know any good filmmakers? Could we team up? And in my mind, I'm like, the greatest filmmaker in the world for this is Anish. And I think he happened to be in L.A. for a week that he was about to fly back to New York, like literally the next day. So I left that meeting and I was like, AC, like you got to like, I have a feeling like you should go take this meeting with me again. So we set up a follow up meeting and we brought in Anish the very next day and he got to meet Baslovs as well. Yeah. And and when we met them, they were basically like, we want to follow up Unfriended, but we don't want to do it with a traditional feature. We want to do it with a feature that's comprised of a bunch of different short films, all of which take place on screens. And to me, I, I was relieved to hear that because I'd seen Unfriended. And I didn't think 
that worked in like in a in an emotionally it wasn't just my type of movie it was like it it was cool because it was new but it wasn't like the kind of movie that i wanted to make And, and to me i was like okay if we did that it would be that again but a short film we could really really knock out of the park so we spent a couple months or about a month and a half and we ended up coming up with an idea for literally the eight and a half minute version of searching Mm. um then search uh and it was a very simple short film we were in love with it it was really cool we put back like three we sent back three or four pages back of just what the style and the feel of the short film would be and we sent it back to them i happened to be in la a few weeks later for a google photo shoot and they called us into a room and it was me and sev in a big conference room table with a bunch of financiers and executives and being like for a short film like yeah, kind of weird yeah and then like <laughs> and they were like listen we don't we like this idea but we don't want to make it into a short we wanted to make it into a feature um sev you can produce it anish and sev will pay you guys to write it anish you can direct your first feature and we'll finance the whole thing what do you guys say and in the stupidest moment of my life i and one of the most proud moments of my life i said no and uh, he's like what yeah what <laughs> <you doing? laughs> What's the whole he's like kicking me under the table and um like literally yeah yeah no literally uh you know, face getting red, and like I had to explain myself immediately because <laughs> I just said no. Um, but you know, the an- the reason That's was great. it felt like you know we had found a way to make this concept not be a gimmick. We had found in in eight, eight and a half minutes, we found a way for this thing that it could still be propulsive and it could be fresh and energetic. But it 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 felt like if we made it into ninety minutes, we would be stretching it out and removing it of anything valuable and special, mm. and then turning it into a movie that exists only because Unfriended was a hit, not because ours re- deserved to exist. Um, so we said no, and Sev said we'll be in touch, and I was like okay, <laughs> um, and you know we left the room, and you know we kept kept talking about the rarity of this opportunity despite the parameters that were being asked of us and we were like no one ever gets told you can make a movie here here's the money to make a movie so we were like at the very least let's talk about it and if we run into a wall we won't we won't do it but let's talk about it and we spent a month or month and a half again talking about it not coming up with anything and we we're like i don't think we're going to do this and then one day i came out of the shower and i had an idea for an opening scene and i like texted sev like hey i have an idea for an opening scene he's like i have an idea for an opening scene i was like okay let's call each other and we at the same time pitched the exact same opening scene I, it was one of the weirdest yeah. things in the world <laughs> where we knew how it should begin and to this day, that is the beginning of the movie. It's the like seven minute montage that starts the film. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, up, that's, the up opening. The up meets yeah. a Google commercial opening. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and we knew that. And from there, it was like, okay, that feels really fresh. And what would be the next scene? Okay, that makes sense. What would be the next scene? And then we all of a sudden had the pieces of a bigger movie, and we put together a larger pitch packet. And we're like, okay, if we're gonna do this movie, it's gonna be this. And they're like, okay. And we're like, okay. Uh, so I told my bosses at Google I quit and I moved to LA and we started making a movie that would take us uh, the next two years. That's amazing. Wow. Yeah. So I think what's really striking about the story of how you guys met is that it feels like uh, the right confluence of like luck and mm-hmm. also just like making stuff happen, like not waiting for the opportunity. But not like, waiting. Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm hearing a lot. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's, you yeah. know, I let a lot of patrons like my patrons for lessons from screen play know we're going to be talking to you guys and a lot of the questions are about like how do we break into yeah. the business and stuff and what i've always heard is just you have to make it happen for yourself is that do you feel like that is an accurate yeah i think so 100 percent. i think there's this you know there's this whole idea that it's making it is really about networking which is really about like finding opportunities you know trying to get in touch with people and you know hollywood is all about who you know I strongly disagree with that. I think you have to look at it in the in the reverse. I think Hollywood is not about who you know. It's about who knows you and how do people know you. And, you know, it's because you just make good shit. Like if, if you like if you're spending your time making, writing, developing, creating like how Anisha and I did with Seeds, like that led to opportunities and he got hired at Google and all my independent stuff is what got me that meeting. But, you know, that meeting would not have been the same if it wasn't, you know, two people had already proven themselves. In fact, I think Part of what we did, you know, one of the things that we always do anytime we have a meeting with somebody and I'll show you this email, we always kind of send a follow up saying, hey, it was great meeting you. We're going to be in touch. We'll send we'll send you uh, an idea for a short film potentially. And like kind of like I wrote like a little reminder, like, you know, and again, like, you know, Anisha is the guy who directed this thing with the link. And, you know, I, I did this and just kind of like reiterating that, like you have created stuff and because, you know, those emails get forwarded to someone's boss. And it's just that mm. is really what gets people's eyes open in this industry. So I couldn't agree more. It's you just have to be proactive. 
If you're anything like me, you love diving deeper into subjects that interest you, which is why I'm excited to say that this episode of Beyond the Screenplay is brought to you by CuriosityStream. CuriosityStream is a subscription streaming service that offers over 2,000 documentaries and nonfiction titles from some of the world's best filmmakers. I like learning about things that will give me new perspectives on myself, on our culture, and especially on our species. The series Deep Time History aims to do exactly this, exploring how things like physics, chemistry, and geology played a major role in the rise of human civilization. CuriosityStream is available worldwide and on many platforms, including Apple TV, Roku, Android, Xbox One, iOS, Chromecast, Amazon Kindle, and more. You can get unlimited access starting at just $2.99 a month. And for our Beyond the Screenplay audience, the first 30 days are completely free if you sign up at curiositystream.com screenplay and use the promo code screenplay during the sign-up process. Once again, that's curiositystream.com screenplay. Thanks to CuriosityStream for sponsoring this episode. When I think a lesson that I've learned is the idea of, you know, it doesn't work to, oh, I made one thing. I wrote one script. I made one web series. I made one thing. Okay, good. Now I've done that. Now they're going to find me. Now I'm going to like, you know, go to the next level. It's like, no, you have to be, if you want to be a writer, director, if you want to be a creative, keep creating. Like you just have to yeah. keep generating material, generating, working your craft. It's it's not a one-time thing. And then somebody magically comes down and, and helps you up. You know, that's, mm-hmm. that's, I think a lot of, I don't know why that idea is in a lot of our heads, but I, I feel that's a kind of a myth people have in their heads. Like you make the one thing and then the magical golden hmm. person comes down and, and, and like lifts you into the Hollywood place. Yeah. 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 Well, and I think also the idea of making sure you're always practicing and improving and getting right. better. Yeah. And, and so I'm curious for you guys, like, you know, in between, you know, seeds and like searching, like, were you constantly writing stuff, making stuff mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. we have full, we have full outlines I mean, expiration date is, you know, like we when I was in New York and he was in L.A., you know, we were like, what movie do we like? How do we get back into this? And we were we've always no matter what stage, you know, however far apart we were, we were always developing, you know, like we were all and even now it's like we all were like, obviously now we're in the middle of another film. But like in the gaps that we can, we're always talking about what's next. And we there was another idea that before you know, search came about because search came about through a third party, you know, saying, hey, this is the parameters for this idea that we were kind of thinking about. And every day we would get on the phone and be like, what is this other? It was like a sci fi kind of action mm-hmm, kind mm-hmm. of film. And we we I, I, even on our Google Drive right now, like you can see a full outline backstory to the world and everything like that. And just what we were working on right at the time. So we were always developing and making even more important than that, like our slate, you know, like, so like right now we're very organized people, but we have a, <laughs> we have a, 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 a spreadsheet that's just basically our slate that's built into like, and by, by budget, by genre, by style, you know, like what exactly is our idea for everything? Cause like, you never know when you take a general, what those people are going to be into, what mm. they're specifically looking for. And to be able to say, oh, we have something like X and already have something to talk about was something we were always kind of working on. But yeah, it, it's we we've always it's always honing that. And I think like at least from us, like honing is in most most um, visible in the writing aspect of things, because like that's what we're always talking about. So when you have a spreadsheet of all those ideas, um, how far along are most of them? You know, what what? when you go to a general how far along do you feel idea needs to be to be able to confidently say oh here's a thing we have in our back pocket well you know a general is just a general meeting getting to know each other i would say ideas that come up in generals can be very very slightly developed because you know you really just want to have a log line and be able to just talk about what excites you about that project and if you see a spark happening that's your clue to go home and then work on it more for the next meeting but um yeah i mean for us like we probably have like 90 ideas mm-hmm. in like various stages some of them we even call like just little tiny story molecules yeah. where it's just like hey what if this happened okay cool but we don't know what else happens with that and but there's like the four at the top that are like like we know we these are the ones we really like yeah um, so far which have been lucky to be considered and yeah. almost made and like what's cool is like you know i mean anisha's not lying in between seeds which was that two minute video we made and you know selling s- searching as an idea 
we develop like in great detail i think like three total other scripts yeah right because yep. I mean, there was yep. the east to west one like there's there was a there, there was, was a... the there was this the tv show origin like the first tv show that we yep. did Auburn, um <laughs> that i mean like our google drive is like in between that gap it's like all of these folders of like oh my god like we did so much work on this idea that oh yeah i totally forgot about this in fact our even our even what our idea for the next movie that we're going to do after the one we're making was an idea that we had and we're talking about before search uh and even even our tv because we have a tv show right now that we're in the early stages developing with the company and it was from when I was not even working with Anish, a logline that I had that I was just like reading Anish all my loglines and like that, like, almost like as a joke, like making fun of my horrible loglines. And Anish <laughs> was like, "Wait, that's not a bad idea." And then like that turned into something. Yeah. But like to, to your to your point about practicing, like all of that time we spent, I mean, we're talking like hundreds of hours on the phone while he was in New York, developing these ideas that may never get made was still crucial because it yeah. really helped inform our process for writing searching yeah and understanding story you know like i think as writers the most important oh sorry i have to speak closer um the most <laughs> important thing you know seven and i are very 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 almost religiously screenplay structure oriented you know i think like we re i think it's so important for you as a writer to understand what are the these these models that have been passed on for decades of storytelling that work you know and it because if you if you tell a story and you put it in those models it there's a high likelihood that your story will work but it's only when you understand exactly how those work that you can start manipulating things and being like okay that is accomplishing that we could also accomplish it this other way and i think all of that practice of these stories that never went anywhere still we're practicing how to tell stories in a structured way and search i would is is down to the beat structured is a classically structured story just told Mm -hmm. in a different way so it it, that practice is so so important um as writers is to just even if it doesn't go anywhere you did practice and you and you got better at at speaking about uh, beats and and talking about structure um and and developing shorthand yeah, with a writing partner. And it's something that Alex, you and I have talked about. It's, it's almost like exercising. You have to like build yeah. up that muscle yeah. and just the. So it becomes practice. intuition. So it becomes you're not struggling to kind of have that model in your mind. It's just so the neural pathways are there. So it happens intuitively more mm-hmm. and more often. Mm-hmm. Just talking about developing and writing and what is uh, your process? Because you know, co-writing is an interesting practice. Um, I, I you know Michael and I are, are co-write a lot. And I find it really helps me um, to kind of get out of my own head and have things. I'm a very verbal person. So being able to say things out loud with somebody else, ideas actually become real. Um, How do you guys find the co-writing helps you write stories? What's your process? What does it look like in development versus actually writing the script? I mean, it's I think you definitely a lot of talking. Yeah. Like, I think it's it's. you know, once I'm just going to be a very stream of consciousness answer, but like once we're in the thick of it, it kind of feels a lot like homework. Like we'll often meet in the yeah, mornings and funny. like we'll we'll report what we worked on the night before. The screenwriting part of it is, yeah, is kinda, the homework part. I'm kind of like jumping forward, but like, you know, I, I have very like uh, intense memories of writing our last movie run, especially yeah. like we'll meet and then it's like, OK, so here's all the stuff I worked on last night. And then Anish will tear it all apart and then he'll pitch his stuff and I'll tear it apart. And it's like, OK, well, we got to work on this tonight. And it's like the assignment is like find a motivation for this character to do that. That is thematically in line with the central idea of this movie. And and we have to go home privately, work on it, come back and pitch it to each other, and and that kind of is a good micro like example of how the whole thing works. That's like we're working separately but also together. And that's that's from from the beginning, whether it's screenplay stage or ideation stage, we're always kind of doing that work. I mean, for us, like I think the way we write is like screenplay stage, and a lot of people work different ways, but for us, screenplay is the last thing that you touch. Yeah, you know, it's like when you have everything set. You then you move on to your screenplay. Everything minus the dialogue. You know, dialogue can get figured out in the screenplay. But what we do and what we did for our last movie or the movie we're working on now called Run is we literally we made a beat sheet and again classic screenplay structure: opening image, status quo, um, inciting incident, debate, uh, break to two, fun and games, midpoint. You know, like bad guys closing in, third act or um, break to three. You know, well, uh, Dark Knight of the Soul. All these little sections we had and we broke it down into like beats, very clear beats this happens and this happens and this happens and this happens and we had i can show you right now it's a massive like beat sheet of the entire movie and once that was settled then we moved on to the screenplay and even before that was an outline you know of like what are the major points in the story and those are the stuff we're always calling each other on like we like log a lot of talking time and you know and for me at least personally 
whenever we're in that stage, I buy a notebook because I'll just like start writing and we'll pitch each other things. And then once things start getting solidified, then they can go, then they deserve a keyboard, you know, yeah. and then they deserve <laughs> like, they can mm-hmm. go, go on a, go on a spreadsheet. It's um, almost like keeping it loose, you keeping know, it loose, cause yeah. it's almost like it's, it's too in stone yep. once it's being yep. typed out. It feels like yeah. homework. Yeah. Right. Right. Also like what's homework. crazy yeah. about it is it's also like in the process of writing any idea or sequence or beat, it gets rewritten so many times, even before it's on final draft. Like I remember right. for searching, it almost became comedic. Like we first had it on a spreadsheet or we first had on like a Word document, then we translated to a chart. Then we Anish got like these huge paper things. We wrote it on that. I'm like, Anish, why would you brand the same thing over again? But as we were doing it, it kept getting more and more refined. That's so true. We do that same drawing a lot. It, it's like this whole process we take it to. And by the time it's on final draft, like it's pretty much the final version. And I, I know, you know, a lot of writers, you know, the idea of writing together is that you get someone that you could write with. But in our case, it feels a lot more like it's somebody we can write against because so often it's, you know, we'll be on complete opposites on, you know, a major beat in the movie and he'll want A and I'll want B. And then what we do is we really treat it so professionally. It almost feels like a court case. <laughs> like I'll put together a whole argument <laughs> that references other movies, references, you know, books on screenwriting, references lessons from the screenplay YouTube channel, <laughs> like just like of why Anisha's fundamentally wrong and has no idea what he's talking about. Sorry, and, Anisha. <laughs> and we and we go we go to battle. Like we literally go to battle. Obviously all like not in a personal way, but we just fight, and sometimes if those fights hit like a, a standoff, like that's okay. Well, we need to. We can't move on. We have to spend a couple of days. Yeah. We'll go for long walks. We'll really like fight it to the teeth. And I think that just only speaks to how much we're both passionate about the story. And the best part about that process is, at the end of the day, the best idea is going to survive. The best idea wins. Yeah, we're it's it's there's passion and but like there's like the ego. I think between the two of us has like it's just from like been trained from our beginning of our relationship. You know to not be there you know i think in the beginning any like an, it, the ego and the pride that you have as a artist no matter what is is always strong and you want to like fight for that but like the more that we've kind of worked together it's like you can separate that out you can fight for an idea and you can see when the other person has the better idea because at the end of the yeah. day the movie is the most important thing absolutely right. i think that's something that's happened with alex and i because we've been working together since film school like 10 12 years whatever it's too long um, <laughs> <God>. <laughs> it's been a long time but i think <laughs> you can almost like track on a graph. I feel anyway, the like the quality of our work goes up as the attachment to the ego goes yeah, down. That's great. And I think that's something that's, I think a lot of creative people don't think about is, is you have to be able to let that part of yourself go. Yep. You can't be protective. You have to be, you have to invite criticism and almost for me anyway, yeah. look for where am I wrong? Like, I know I'm excited about this, mm-hmm. but like, let's attack that idea. Why am I yep. tricking myself? What am I blind to? And I think that is what having a co-creator can help with a lot. Right. Well, and I think for me, it's, it's, you know, it's disidentifying myself with my work. You know, there's, there's almost like mm. a, we're talking about the ego. Mm. I think, you know, the ego is just what you are attaching your identity to. So if, if it's like my identity is the thing I just wrote, and you're saying this needs to be improved. You're like saying I'm wow. Yeah, right. Something's wrong with that's me. profound. Wow. You know? Yeah, I went to a meditation retreat, so I've been thinking about a lot of stuff. Um, and and I think that's you can't operate from that place and um, and improve anything because you're you're basically telling yourself something's wrong with you fundamentally if your work is wrong. And it, so I think the mindset for me has had, had to be the work is its own thing. It's its own person. It's not me. It's this outside thing. And I'm just in service to it. And we're all trying to be in service to it and make it the best thing it can be. So it, I can write a really crappy draft of a thing. And it's great that it's crappy because it's the starting place to make the real thing. And it's no longer about, oh, I'm crappy because I wrote the crappy draft. That was a big, that's a big change in my that mind. That is, yeah. I wish I knew that like six years ago. I wish I knew that's that incredible. six years ago. That's right. <laughs> it's taken me a while. <laughs> yeah. I think my way into it was almost like, uh, like the scientific method sort of like I'm thinking about how I started writing all the videos for lessons from the screenplay and it would often be like, I have a, like an I, uh, hypothesis of what I think the story is about or like how it's trying to do a thing. So I've put forth that. Now, let me like prove myself wrong. Let me find all the ways that I might be wrong. And I think that kind of helped me mm. step out of the ego and kind of a different way of like, if I want to be right, that means I need to put a lot of work into making sure I'm not wrong and like care about that more. Mm. And I think that's sort of my left yeah. brain style of. Yeah, but either way, you're disidentifying with right. the work. You know, it's 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 an object you're now scientifically studying. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
so yeah, so so you guys started working on searching. Um, so it's, it seems like the, the idea of telling the story through screens was sort of a constraint that was inherent mm-hmm. in the project. Um, but I think it's an awesome constraint. And I feel like the things that you guys came up with, like, it, it feels like kind of like a stepping into like a new era of like film language, if I can be that dramatic, where it's <laughs> as, you know, we live our lives so much more on screens now, like our stories, you know, happen on screens and like they're kind of like a window into our personalities and stuff. So I'm curious for you guys, like how, what were some of the ways you found to tell a story using this constraint of it all has to be done on a screen? Totally. Let me let me quickly preface the whole stylistic side of it first and we'll get into the story stuff. That that company, Basilev's, is is almost near pretty much exclusively making movies that take place on screens now. Like Unfriended was such a great success for them. And this was only one of many movies that they had in development at the time. And to the point that they literally have a Bible for how to make these movies. And there was like three commandments in there. Number one, every movie must be entirely one shot, all one big widescreen shot. Um, I think that's rule number one. It's all widescreen. Rule number two, it's all like one computer, all real time. And rule number three, yeah, it's a bit, I just messed up the rules. But basically, it's widescreen, <laughs> real time, one computer. And the idea was that they were just establishing these formal rules to make it more of like a cinematic language. But our immediate response to all of that was just simply, why? Like, why? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, it felt already so restrictive. Why would we do it further? And in our minds, we wanted to tell a story that would be engaging and cinematic and moving. And to do that, we wanted to use like all the hundred years of cinematic techniques that have been developed by all these great filmmakers. So we wanted to have zooms and montages and edits and punch-ins and, and all that. And once we were able to win that fight, it really kind of set the foundation for how we were going to write the script. You know, for us, the biggest thing about this movie was that it it could it, it would fail if if it was a movie that took place if we were writing the movie that took place on screens what we needed to write was the movie you know mm-hmm. like the story like let like and you, you even if you look at the first pitch packet that we made for this movie it doesn't talk about what apps you see different things on it doesn't talk about what buttons you click it talks about the story here's what happens in the beginning here's what's happened in the, in the middle here's what's happened like right around the end here's our break to three all these like key moments in it and our and our entire process was just a matter of adapting that story to take place on screens like for us it was just understanding this classic story this story that broke down straight up save the cat like basic screenplay structure (laughs) like super simple and then say okay this beat where on a computer can this happen you know like and we looked on our laptops and we saw buttons that said share okay what does share mean we saw a closed window what does closed window mean what does it mean to empty your trash what does it mean to delete something what does it mean to hide something search something like these all have emotionality behind it and we use them so much that we can give them emotionality what does it mean to type something backspace it out when can that apply in the story that we've already established Mm -hmm. so it became almost a weird way of writing an original story and then adapting our own story Mm -hmm. into something else Mm -hmm. that's really smart yeah not starting from the technology but starting from the story and that's that's ultimately i think why the on one level the movie is successful is because one of the biggest things one of the most common things people say is Oh my gosh, by like the 10th minute, I totally forgot I was watching a movie on a computer screen. And that's literally because the screenplay was about never about the tech. It was about the story. And 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 that, I think, is ultimately the first kind of key ingredient in, in the success story. Totally. And, you know, at its core, it is a whodunit. It's a mystery movie. And, you know, Anisha always said this thing, like, what are mystery movies about? It's about information. And where do you get your information nowadays? You go online, you go on your computer, you search, you look, you look things up. And... By by combining that like classic whodunit mystery you know story structure with this like wildly unconventional innovative way of telling a story, we were able to find all those intersectionalities and find ways that like and he said like when somebody is typing a text and then like not typing it or like not pre- pressing send, how does that correspond to what would happen in a regular movie? And I think like you know it's, this is getting really like heady with it, but like it, I think that's what kind of makes the movie feel elevated at times. Mm-hmm. Whereas otherwise, yeah. it's it's very much like Anisha always says, it's a classic story. I I truly believe, and and like I'm gonna diss searching and move take that into a path of uh, complimenting it. But <laughs> like if this movie were a live action movie, it would work, but it would be boring. Um, it, or it would be it would be it would be something that you've seen a thousand times before. You know, like we've all seen the scene of of the dad. Or like some other parent 
going knocking on door to door and be like, have you seen this kid? 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 But in our and then putting a chart on his wall of like all the mm-hmm. things going on, the detective putting the chart on in their wall and their wall going crazy. But like, what is our version of that? Okay, our version of that is him going on her Facebook, reaching out to every single person, FaceTiming, starting a spreadsheet on the wall. And like the desktop is his wall. It becomes that chart that you can't understand anymore. And you would literally have those beats down exactly like clear beats. Like this is the wall. This yep. is the chart that he has. This is the photo that he's printing out. And it's it's just a matter of adapting this story that is already just a people, people say, oh, that could have been a live action movie. I disagree. Actually, no, I agree. It could have been a live action movie, but nobody would have seen it. You know, there's nothing special about it. And, and, and us taking this normal story and then putting a very kind of unconventional conceit on it, I think is what made it made it work. Yeah, and I think that's a really good lesson in any writing. Like if you're telling a story about something, every page of your script should be unique to that central core. Yeah. You know, like you if it's going to be about a father searching for his, you know, teenage daughter by using her computer, like what are the revelations that can come only from that thing? It can't right. just be right. a phone call that happens to take place on a computer, but rather the internet has to be wholly complicit in how she went missing and also how yes. he found her. Yes. Yeah, and I was in the, I was just thinking, you're describing the like you know traditional movie version of this with the wall and mm-hmm. and I feel like what's great about searching is yours is the more realistic version of this. Like this is how it would be done now. Today, yes, yeah. it would be. and it can only be told really on a computer screen. So it's 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 part of the designing principle idea. Your story is exactly the right story for the constraints you were given because this is actually how it actually happened now, not the 90s. Mm-hmm. You know. <laughs> Yeah, on the visual version. Well, yeah. it, it's it's interesting hearing about your process of you know writing the story and then kind of adapting it to the technology, and it, it I think it's striking because the your use of technology is so seamless. Like that's what I really appreciate is like and you, realistic, right? You clearly know yeah. how computers work. Like yes. that's, that's, <laughs> thank you. Yeah. And yeah. social media like is the actual social media not like weird made up websites Face that are like yeah. really bad and my yeah. book right yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> But I was struck by watching it where the same thing happened, like you mentioned, where, you know, a few minutes into it, I like completely forgot that like this is a movie like I'm watching a screen movie like you're just mm-hmm. in the story. And there there are so many cinematic techniques that you translated to screen really. And if, like when I was watching it last night, I even noticed that, you know, that there's a twist and things get like intense and there's even like a little bit of handheld mm-hmm. like Jake mm-hmm. happening, just, right. like little details yeah, handheld like screen camera. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that it. it it also feels so like personal, like our screens are are so they're personal spaces, they're intimate. And when you're it, it's like you're watching it through the eyes of the character, but in a way that's more effective than just like a first person mode of a mm-hmm, camera. Like mm-hmm. it, it feels like you're inside the head of a person. Like It's almost, very vulnerable. It's a very right. vulnerable space to be in. And especially you mentioned the typing something out and backspacing it. We were, we were talking about this, me and Michael, that's a really unique technique that can only be done in this format where it's almost mm-hmm. like a literary technique. You're, yeah, like, you're, you're showing the, the inner thought mm-hmm. and, and where they're not sharing. Yeah, it's, it's a really cool use. It allows us to have subtext, which is the most, I just the great scenes have, you know, like it's, right. you know, the character is saying one thing, but means something else. And like that allows us to have it. Yeah. And you guys really mind all the different computer things i feel like you know like you you kind of you used all of our collective experiences of you know forgotten passwords and just all all the things that us in the 21st century are used to and annoyed by it's all in the movie somewhere which i think was also really brilliant <laughs> yeah. you could say we wanted to make yeah. a screen movie to end all screen movies yeah, yeah. you really covered like... all the bases you did all of it we, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> i mean to be cocky that was exactly we were like from the beginning we we're like okay like from the beginning we were always like if another movie came out today that was a romantic comedy where it was told backwards it'd be like okay that's memento you know and like we were just like okay what is our what is the screen movie that right. from now on will be and we just kind of like, oh that's to... just searching <laughs> yeah, it's just right. searching. yeah. yeah. <laughs> i mean mission accomplished another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Kind of moving into like the production of it. Like what is it like to make a movie that takes place and like is told entirely on screens? Like how do you... And 
really quick one of the things I thought was interesting reading the screenplay was how it's you know written like a normal screenplay but you know the slug lines and parentheses have like FaceTime or home mm -hmm. video to like show uh, you know what the you know where we're seeing the things the events that are happening or how you use the the text messages as like kind of the subscript and mm -hmm. left right like it it made for a very we were Alex and I were talking about this a very like uh, just easy read like it was well I think there would be I, I would probably if you know my first thought writing a screen movie, I'd be really um, anxious about describing all the windows on the screen and like what's all being seen by the camera at all times. And you guys kind of avoided that by just taking us on like the flow of the movie, you know, putting in the, the slug lines, you know, what app are we in? But, I, yeah, I, th I mean, I, I think the, the, the final draft PDF version of this screenplay is, is not an easy read. I like for like for like it was smooth for. I, I I'm glad. So. I'm yeah. glad. No, it's. I'm glad you're saying that because like that. What that wasn't. That wasn't actually the version of the screenplay that we wrote. Yeah. Did I send you both of them, Mike? I can't remember. You just sent the the final draft. Got it, got it, yeah. okay. So we we wrote originally because we felt like that version would be too complicated. Mm. We actually wrote what we called a scriptment, which was written much more like prose. Mm. Um, and it was like every chapter, uh, kind of broken down, written like okay, and then David. It searches this and these are the it had every line of yeah, text like, and every dialogue not every line no, no it was not every dialogue it was like he'll talk to her about so and so and oh but they have quotes and yeah like, blah, it was blah, 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 she it said. was it was 41 pages yeah it was really like short read but it was the whole movie written almost like a short story Interesting. and initially we were like okay i guess we'll just use this we weren't really quite well, we used it to get the cast well, well that's what ultimately ended up happening we're like okay hmm. we'll use this to like cast the movie and then it was actually a producer natalie kasabian who was like guys like we can't make a movie off of a 41 page word document and she forced us to go and write the final draft which for some reason we were kind of resistant to and again we were kind of doing all of this like making it up out of our butts like we yeah. had no idea what we were doing there wasn't really like a path for us to follow and ultimately i remember we spent like our first four days of writing purely trying to figure out form what should the screenplay look like right. mm -hmm. yeah you know there's a billion books on how to write screenplays but no one's ever said how to convey a text message properly and right. we ended up having to like break final draft like multiple yeah. ways to like get it yeah, to how do did what you we needed format to do. this it was so every time like every emoji kicked our oh butts my god, my god. <laughs> like it would like because you can't put an emoji in a font so every time we made a version of this thing there were like five there was a list of things that we had to do after it exported to pdf you know just right. like things add, that you add to in add. the emojis yeah and, and all yeah. that stuff yeah but the reason on the on the on the final draft pdf or in the final draft it says in parentheses facetime home video is because when we broke it down for production which is what natalie was asking us to do is that like there are scene headers that are interior google chrome but we needed to d distinguish what are the live action elements on set that we are shooting mm. so like those would be numbered the only scenes that were numbered were the ones that we actually had to go into production yeah they were the only ones that had headers. proper slug lines everything else was yeah. in post-production yeah. and then it would yeah. be it would say facetime home video so that we would know how we were gonna and you know keep in it. mind this was you know the movie you guys have seen the movie it's this you know big movie there's all these characters and crowds and forests and lakes and stunts and aerial stuff car stuff we shot it in 13 days. Crazy. It was the low, low, stresses like, me out. micro yeah. budget movie. And I think yeah. part of that was like, okay, well, our script was, I think, 117 pages. It was, yeah, the but, final draft. The yeah. final draft. Yeah. And I don't know how many of those pages were actually production, but it was like, we didn't have to shoot all 117 pages. <laughs> right. That came later. But yeah, it was, it was interesting. I mean, you know, there's so much we can talk about with the production side of it. I mean, from developing the camera system and, you know, like working with the actors who oftentimes would not even be in the same room, you know, they were communicating with each other. It was it was really difficult and challenging in a lot of ways. But um, what helped us by the time we got to production, kind of going back for a second, is so you know I've been an independent producer for many years, and as a junior producer, I would often be invited to the post production process where you know we would see the edit or we would show you know test screening to people, and so often I would be in the back of the room hearing people comment on these films, you know, having watched edits of them. And give notes that I was like, well, that note is impossible to apply to an edit. I wish we heard that months ago or years ago. <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. yep. So in writing Searching, which was kind of like our, you know, my nation's second script, um, and I knew that we were do we were about to go into this crazy, like, impossible shoot that we had no idea what was going to happen. We didn't want to take that risk. So what we did was we, our process became, and we've done this on everything we've written so far now, um, really, really, really intense, like, feedback reads of our movie. So... I feel like I remember the first time we met, 
you brought out a, a spreadsheet of like, <laughs> yeah, but, and I literally, yeah, I, I was overwhelmed when it, you showed us that. Yeah. I, <laughs> I misremembered it when I was telling it later uh, to my girlfriend of like, yeah. And then he pulled out this huge binder of stuff. Like <laughs> in my head, it feels like this massive. It was a digital like Excel spreadsheet. Yeah. But it was yeah. like, <laughs> Any Tom and Asian and I are telling you something, it's going to end with a spreadsheet. Yeah, like, yeah. Basically. Yeah. But, but, but it, what so it funny. is, is basically we, we would send, we sent the first draft of our, of our script to like five. And then we're talking about the script at this point, like to five friends and they all read it and we scheduled one hour phone calls with each of them and and again as another as a producer people would often send me their scripts and ask for my feedback and i would call them and i would give them a couple notes and so often they would hang up the phone with me and i was like Hmm. that's all like you know like i think it's a great lesson (laughs) to anyone who's writing out there is like if anyone is going to read your script that is a sacred valuable thing that they're doing for you you should not, you should be doing most of the talking. Like you should not just be listening to them, but you should be mining them. Mm-hmm. And Anish and I would have so many battles in writing the script, and we'd always be like, "Well, okay, I think you're right, but let's see what we'll find out." And what we do is we put together a massive spreadsheet, as you mentioned. Every time we have one of those things, we're like, "I barely won," or "He barely won," or something that we. It's just like, <laughs> "All right, adding to the list." That's, you know, great. Like with what that we exact ask. attitude. All right, so, adding it to the so list. Right, so you, right, bitch, yeah. adding it to the list. <laughs> so you actually turn that kind of disagreement into a question yeah for yes. later. yeah like, for a, later. like a specific question and for no later. one can ever argue against data you just can't consensus baby. <laughs> if, if, if you have right. if you have four out of five people say something didn't work that you liked it's too bad it's gone you know so, like it's, exactly right. no ego yeah. so yeah. the the document is split into three categories there's general which is like super like what did you like about the script what did you not like about the script what was fast what was slow um you know we actually have a moment where people give it a score out of like one out of five like for character for theme for act one or for act three like all that stuff pacing um, then we have macro where we ask David Kim's arc, you know, what was it? Was it good? Maybe it was with Margot. The presence of cops was that, you know, like stuff like mm, that. Mm-hmm. Then we have micro, which are sometimes qu- questions like presence of cops. It, it was a macro question that was added in the second round when the first round was like, oh, I, someone had a comment about the presence of cops and we were like, okay, we'll address that. And then every note that we have on the first one will become a question exactly. on the second one to see if we answered it. Exactly. Oh, interesting. Like and then the That's crazy smart. part is, which I think people think we're mad for this, is like we have <laughs> micro notes, which is literally, uh, can you open up the script to page three? That one sentence, there's a yeah. comma right there. <laughs> Did that bump for you? And no I'm, joke, I'm no literally no not joke, even kidding. No we, because the things like when Anish and I go through the strip, we're marketing up of like everything that we think can be better because we just want it to be immaculate. And, you know, like the, this like there's a there's a huge payoff on page 62. But did you catch this plant on page three? And sometimes we want a 50 50 answer. We don't mm. want something to be so obvious that everyone catches it, but to not be obvious and no one gets it. So that process um, really is intense. And I think our, our friends, I think a lot of people were amused by it. That we were taking so much time on something, but <laughs> the end result was the consistently the script the script kept going and becoming more and more. And she's pulling up the pressure yeah. right now. Page fourteen to fifteen. Did it bump for you that we described David looking up an old article featuring Vic helping build a drug rehabilitation center? Was going back and forth between David's computer and the mystery computer. We smashed too confusing at all. Something we actually changed. Mm-hmm. Uh, page seventeen. Did it bump for you when it said Margot had been taking the hundred dollars every week and depositing into the checking account? Uh, just literally every beat. Did it work? Did it not work? Why did it not work? Why did it blah blah? Like page 20, 18, 20, 22, 24, 26, 27, 28, 29. <laughs> Every single thing. Just it's very, very specifically. Yeah. A quick quick clarification yeah. just for the listeners. Um, when you say did it bump for you, mm-hmm. what is what does that mean to you? To me, like the people we're asking these questions to are peers. Um mm-hmm. sometimes we'll involve like a non-film person, you know. Sure. Uh, but for the most part, we are talking to screenwriters uh, yeah. who we trust. So when we are saying, "Did it bump for you to a fellow screenwriter?" Um, we're saying, "Did it work or did it not work?" Yeah. Did something about it feel yeah. off to you? I'll put it this way. Again, I keep going back to this, but you know, I think it has helped me become a writer. Is as a producer, I read su- submissions all the time, and my philosophy, which I do think is probably the same for a lot of people out there, execs, producers, who read scripts, is as I open the script, this is going to be the best script I've ever read in my entire life. I always start at that place mm. and then page one, it's like, okay, cool. Oh, that kind of bumped. Okay. Now it's like maybe the second best uh, script, yeah. that bump, that bump, that bump. And I think there's only so many bumps you can endure. The worst, it's the worst. <laughs> you know, like it's, it's exactly. And it's like the yeah. death of a thousand cuts. So it's like sure. our goal is like, as you read the script, it should feel seamless. And I think, I mean, it sounds like Alex, you kind of described it that way. Like the script should right. really read so like. Flowy, I, you know. Yeah, it, I I think what was so, I was so impressed by is that there was so little fat as far as 
over describing of the screen or the context, but I could still get it all. Like my mind was filling in the blanks, but the flow matched my experience of watching the movie. Great, mm-hmm. um, great, which was very impressive. And and a lot of that is thanks to our our readers. Yep, because mm-hmm. they think they would say things again. Like it's I think when someone reads a script, they have infinitely useful information to convey. They just may not know it. So right, it's your right. job as the writer right. to mind that to like draw it out of their head against their will sometimes and making them well yeah i guess you're right i I didn't think about it but reading it now that does kind of feel off great that's a bump so we'll address it we'll we'll ask did it bump for you then does knowing this thing that i just said that we just asked you that now that you know that we're thinking about that question does it bump for you now and like well uh, do you ever worry that you're like inceptioning them like that's to, why we asked that follow-up. To think up. it's a bump. Yeah, yeah we, we can. Well, that's why we'll ask the follow-up. Like, did you think it then? Like, now knowing it, do you would you think that now? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think one of the most specific uses of that question was um, regarding police and just like FaceTime calls. You know, like, did, like I remember, like, did, did it ever in the screenplay feel like there were too many characters making FaceTime calls? Mm-hmm. Did you think about it then? Did you think about it now? Yeah. Like, you know, and you have to be willing to sometimes forgive little things like that. Yeah, you know, for right. suspension yeah. of belief, yeah. but 100%. And I think just to take it a little way back to your question, Michael, like on set, it kind of takes away some of the guesswork. Because mm-hmm. in my experience, again, like all my former movies as a junior producer, like you're like shooting a scene and you hope it's going to work, but we'll find out in the edit. In our case, it was usually like, yeah, we have a pretty good idea. We've <laughs> 20 people have read this and have said this or that. Um, another thing that really helps is a huge part of, I'm just kind of speaking about the production pr- perspective, not as a director and producer, but rather as writers, is it helps us a lot with our alts. So it's something that we really firmly believe in um, is com- going into production already knowing what lines we want to get different versions of or what mm. beats or mm-hmm. moments. And sometimes mm. it might be informed by our feedback process or maybe like we couldn't quite get consensus on A or B or let's say, for example, we did get consensus on something, but I'm like, you know what? Screw everyone's wrong except for me. We're going to shoot my version just in case. <laughs> and it usually wasn't right. But you know, it, going into production, knowing in advance, okay, this scene is a huge moment here, but we have to make sure we have time to get, you know, alternate version. And so often those alt versions ended up in the final cut. And again, that kind of goes in from later on because we do the same intense edit feedback. Yeah, um, same thing did, in the mm-hmm. edit. Same thing yeah. with different people. When you talk about um, alts on set, do you have like a note? Where do, how do you keep track of all the alts? Like what's your process for that? Um, this might surprise you, but it's a spreadsheet. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, uh, you know, what we do is uh, I have the script printed out as like a little mini script and I just mark it up with notes that I'm going to, you know, review with the niche or look out for during, during takes. And then I also have always in red, like outline this, outline that. I don't, I, I will, for me, th- he does a better job at, at keeping the alts in mind. Cause like I also, once I'm in the directing mode of it, I'll just like, that's, that's the, that's our script. So like, I'll get the take and be like, he'll always be like, we have to get this alt. And then I'll be like, oh, okay, what well, we have time, but we'll get it. And then, and it'll, I mean, we just went through this process, so I'm sure it'll save us a few times in the edit and, um, in the next yeah. few months. Yeah. Um, I don't know how much you guys can talk about it, but how was it? How was the process different um, on your latest film on, you know, on set between the two of you? Or is there anything you want to talk about as far as how your relationship has changed doing a live action? As writers or as filmmakers? I I was just thinking about more on set because it's such a different set experience Mm -hmm. than searching. Um, If if there's anything you wanted to you notice that that's evolved between the two of you. I would say just even going all the way back to our first script, that huge budget one, like the... um, everything's gone faster. It used to be that like mm. Anish would send a draft like of a scene and I would just totally rewrite the whole thing, send it back and then back and back and back. And nowadays, like, you know, on the writing side, it's like, we'll send each other something and it's like, yeah, that's pretty much exactly perfect. And then move on and move on. Mm. And on set, I think there was just this quicker back and forth and like a huge level of trust. And Natalie, our producing partner, was honestly a bigger producer than I was on this film, the last one we shot. It just was quicker communication, less questioning. Just like, okay, cool, got it, trust. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. I I think we've just gotten better at 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 our relationship. You know, it's it's yeah. our second time. It was our second time doing the the producer and director relationship. Yeah, and the last. But time. We'll, we'll yeah, <laughs> but yeah. You'll you'll tell me when you see the movie if it got better or not. You know, <laughs> I, it's hard to be like I can confidently talk about search working, you know? <laughs> but I can't say the next one. Not yet. I'll be confident in a few months. Ooh, hopefully, ominous. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, I think it's it's so great that you guys talked about the importance of feedback because I think that that is something that's really, really important. And I think a lot of people are scared of feedback, don't know how to navigate it. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people are worried like, well, I'm just going to start doing what other people tell me to do and like ruin my story. But I think the way you guys mapped it out, I think is a really great approach to to that. Uh, it is scary though, no matter what. Well, I think, and I think the bump idea actually is really valuable. You know, the idea, hearing the reader perspective, you know, somebody who reads a lot of scripts, I, I love that model of thinking about, I have great expectations for this script, but the more bumps I hit, the the lower that's going to fall. And mm-hmm. I think that's a great way to think about re- revision and getting feedback is, you know, it, it's all about just removing those bumps and making it a joyous, wonderful mm-hmm. read. And that's only a positive thing. Yeah, yeah, definitely important. Can you guys talk a little bit more about how uh, the process of adapting all of these story moments to the screens and different techniques you use? Yeah, I think we, we talked about it earlier in the sense that every moment, every beat in our movie should feel both recognizable in a classic mystery thriller you know, genre, but at the same time, its own unique, innovative spin on it. Like one of my favorite examples is, you know, in the middle of our movie, David has kind of like exhausted all leads and he can't find where Margot may be and has a lot of reason to believe that she's actually just run away and it's kind of the end of his search and he's about to shut down a computer and call it a night. And to us, that mo- that moment is exactly every mystery movie where like the detective or the investigator is in the scene of the crime and they're, they're, looking, at, they're looking at everywhere they can. There's no evidence of foul play. Looks like they were wrong and they go to exit that crime scene and they go to turn off the light. But just as they... Up- are about to hit the light switch, they see something, like a fingerprint, and that leads them to something and something and something, and the whole case goes wide open. And to us, like that's that moment of like right before David shuts down the computer, it'll, you know, everything changes. And even the opening of the movie when when we see Pam is, you know, suffering from her sickness, the moment that we find out that she's not gonna make it, it's not some like emotional drop dramatic scene, but rather something as mundane as a calendar event that says mom comes home being deleted which is relatable, recognizable, but that much more powerful. That, you know, those are the kind of te- techniques we were trying to employ on the script that would hopefully translate into an emotional experience watching the movie. Absolutely. And one of the things I wanted to mention also is sort of going off what you're saying, you know, it's a story that's, you know, a very serious story. There's a girl missing, it's a father trying to find his daughter, but there's also a lot of moments of humor. And I feel like having those moments of humor kind of offsets that and gets people invested. Uh, yeah, we, we had like a... I'm a huge M. Night Shyamalan fan. Um, huge. Uh, and on on I learned this on the on the special features of signs. And basically he had this theory that he was just saying, and he said, like, if you tell a joke that's like a two out of a ten, like on this the val on the funniness of a joke, um, and you put it in a comedy or you t- tell it without context, that joke is a two out of a ten. But you put it in a thriller and that joke becomes a six or a seven, you know? And like for us, it was like these are and, – and it actually allows the, the the tension to rise, spike after it as well. You know, so like when you have this rel- – like this moment of relief that's like all this tension being relieved and then you realize it's right, it's still still back in that moment. You have this experience of both the downfall and the rise of it back up again. And like for us, that was a really, really cool – experience of a of creating that effect but like you know making us convince ourselves we're actually funny people and b <laughs> um, you know b it just it, it it i think it for us it's like always this movie was always about being a like um like a big theater popcorn kind of bring your coke and bring your friends kind of like you know just like have fun at the movies and to us those those were always a mix of things they were like they were tense they were funny they were action-packed they were scary they were all these kinds of different things and that was the goal of this movie is to kind of sprinkle it with everything yeah i was going to say um we just did a video about annihilation Mm -hmm. and i love that movie i love alex garland but I feel like nobody almost ever smiles or is mm. ever happy in that whole movie. And it almost, you start to kind of close yourself off because you don't have that moment of vulnerability of laughing and just kind of being open. Um, and I think it really helps to have those those release moments because you're you're almost in a, you're in a more unguarded state. <laughs> well, I did not smile during the knowledge. Well, what's yeah. funny too is like for us, like we used humor as a Trojan horse all the time in the script. Mm. Every time we wanted to hide something in plain sight, a yes, clue, foreshadowing, yes. like the truth, we t- we tried to bury it within a joke. You know, like, you know, I don't know how spoilerific this video is going to be, but like, you know, the joke about marijuana. Yeah. You know, like it's it's funny. It feels like it, it's the right amount of tension between brother and brother, 
but it's also telling you like pay attention to this. Like we we're trying to like let people pay attention to something the without that, them thinking it's that important. The fact that the brother his his sports fan, like the fact that he loves the Finns, um, or like the the AKA the San Jose Sharks, but like the, the Finns. <laughs> uh, and the way that that's brought up in the context of like, hey, remember that time like I ditched school and went to the Finns game? Like, you know, and that's being set up. Too. Or even like, you know, the story that the detective shares with David, yeah, which is like trying movie. to comfort him about how parents don't know their kids. But at yeah. the same time, it's kind of funny. And then it makes you remember it at some other point later. So it's a great point about humor. It, it totally was um, the best way we can lie to the audience. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it was great. I mean, it's funny. I'm, I'll never forget the Justin Bieber punchline. Yeah. Because it was... That is the feedback. That is the feedback. We owe example. that entirely to our feedback yeah. audience because I can't remember what it we was originally. Literally, no, we had, I, we had, I don't know if we ever figured out what the right punchline, because like at one point in the film, it's like super, super tense. He's talking to all these people. And then there's one guy who possibly had something to do with it. And it was like really kind of harassing Margo online. And he's not saying where he was the night he was yeah, supposed to be. Yeah, he's like, where, where were you the night my daughter went missing? And it cuts to a spreadsheet at this really tense moment. And it's dead quiet. And you know, there's this joke that types out Bieber concert, which is like one of the, fun, like one of the, the that's cited as like one of the funniest moments of the movie and it gets a huge laugh always, but it, we never knew what is the joke in there. Cause there's a thousand options. It's just words. We were like ballet box. lessons, yeah. like acne, <laughs> acne treatment. Acne like, treatment. It was like, we couldn't figure it out. I remember one day we were in front of our biggest test audience of 30 people and we started just pitching, pitching. to the audience. Yeah. And when we said Bieber concert, the audience cracked, yeah, up. They cracked up. And I remember Anish and I kept fighting about this. Cause I was like, I just can't, it, well, a- it ages it. For well, me, that least, was yeah. one of the things too. But for me, it was a next beat, which was like, "What if he's lying?" Like, you know, like, and then I was like, "He's got to write confirmed," like, because otherwise oh, people yeah, might yeah. think he's lying. And then when we put confirmed in our next test audience, they laughed joke. even yeah, more, and we're like, right. "Damn, there yeah. you go." Yeah. So that is a great moment. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then lastly, the thing I want to talk about also is, um, you know, how you know it's a story told on screens, but how did you go about making sure that the story and the characters like that it all felt natural to be told in this method. And I think you guys kind of talked about this a bit, but like, you know, Margot's, you know, someone that is longing for friendship and there's the social disconnection and she's using social networks. Like, was there anything, you know, did you guys have a theme in place that was like, this is how, this is what it is. This is how we're going to connect it to that. Totally. Talk about that a little bit. And I think this probably varies from project to project, but we tend, I know at least for searching, it was kind of like, let's start working on this and let's let the theme find us. Um, I I sometimes I worry about like, I want to write a movie that speaks about, you know, like social, you know, economic, it's like, I just feel like you just write the good story and then you let the theme find you. And with this one, it was very early on. We realized it's about connectivity. And in a world where like everyone is so connected with all these devices and all these apps and programs and software, what's a story about a father and daughter who live in the same house but are disconnected? And it felt natural that like he would really like, you know, the only way he's ever going to find Margot is if he knows Margot. So in the process of trying to find her, he, he, he learns things about her that he never imagined. And that's exactly what ends up helping him get to her. What are you guys watching? What would you recommend people check out? What have you been watching the past week? Uh, the I, the the I've been doing the uh, I mean it was the a week ago it was the last weeks of 2018 so I was kind of doing as much as I could with my you know required viewing uh, for on a film level mm-hmm. uh, and the best movie I saw in the last couple of weeks was my favorite movie of last year was a documentary actually um, it was called Minding the Gap uh, and I literally just was hanging out with uh, the filmmaker yesterday at his birthday um, but. Uh, it's it's a documentary on Hulu um, that you can watch, um, and it's uh, basically set against the backdrop of skateboarding um, as three kind of adolescents, and one of whom is filming everything, and the guy filming is the filmmaker, uh, is sort of like videotaping everything and as he gets older he's sort of able to like look back on this footage and see what is deeper at play and he starts to question those people about things that are happening then and it starts it's a story about growing up in masculinity and 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 um abuse and as this character is literally looking back on his childhood and it's a long kind of a story that takes place over it feels like 15 years or something um it's, it's a hard movie to describe because it's literally not the plot. It does not sound like the kind of movie that I like. I like like it just I like when a, a movie has like a hook like this murder happened and blah, 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 you know, but like it's so beautiful and it's so emotional and poetic. Um, and I've said this to Bing's face many times, probably too many times <laughs> of how, how incredible it is. But that was the best thing I've seen recently. 
for me, I rewatched Spider Verse last night. Oh, it's so good! Oh, I still so see good. it. It doesn't. So it makes good. no sense how good that film is. And I, it's like yeah, direct... all the reviews are insane. Yeah, it's like, dude, Alex, just you just leave right now and go watch right. it. It's like yeah. it's, it's so good. It's like directly related to a film that I'm developing. So I was just kind of rewatching it almost for like homework, and I got totally sucked in. I was like, damn, I forgot to pay attention to certain things. But that movie is so good. It's so good. Wow. All right, I gotta see that. Yeah, we'll have that. Alex, things you watched? Um, I was uh, home for Christmas visiting family, and I wanted to show them a documentary uh, by our friend Daniel Clark, um, and it was really fun to rewatch it again. It's called Behind the Curve. Um, you can get it on Amazon or iTunes, but it's a really well-done look at the Flat Earth movement. Whoa. Um, hmm. and, and it's I think what's so great about it is that it humanizes these people who have kind of built their identities around being Flat Earthers and how... You know, wow. it investigates what it means to be attached to a conspiracy theory or an idea and kind of gets at a larger themes about what's happening right now with the internet and with communities on the internet mm. and how, yeah, it, once you've kind of identified yourself with a movement, with a conspiracy, with an idea, even if evidence is presented to you that it's clearly, clearly wrong, um, it's now your identity and it's very hard to detach from that. So I really recommend checking it out. I think it's, it's wow. it sounds like it's about a narrow topic of this like weird flat earth thing, but it's actually very no, that relevant. That sounds like it has broad applications it's very relevant. to modern yeah. day life. Yeah. And the whole time it also is very empathetic and human and it doesn't treat its subjects like they're idiots. It actually kind of tries to get into why they are so attached to Man, this belief. I gotta, I gotta yeah. admit, I thought that they were just trolling. I didn't realize that people actually believe that. There's a whole community of people. I thought it was all just like a it's, joke. It's, wow. um, it's yeah. pretty crazy. And it's also, it's it's weird because it's it's a community that it kind of goes with the internet. You know, it's yeah. it's only able to exist in a in this new world in which we all have our little truth pockets. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. And everything else is a lie, a conspiracy. So yeah. worth checking out for sure. Yeah, I think so for me, the last week, I haven't watched a lot, but I've been continuing Maniac on Netflix Mm. and it continues to be an interesting uh, experience. There are like moments where it's like, wow, this is like brilliant filmmaking. I love this world. I love everything. Like the performances are great. And there are other moments that are like, well, this is kind of dragging it off top a little bit. I have literally no comment on Maniac. (laughs) (laughs) I'm curious to see where it goes, but it's it's been an interesting exercise almost. I'm just watching people make. Thanks. Instead of shaking his head. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, cool. So really quick, uh, we mentioned it a little bit, but what are you guys working on next? What do we have to look forward to? Um, so we just shot uh, our our second feature uh, together, the second screenplay uh, together, my second film, period. Um, uh, we were shooting in Winnipeg for the last, uh, I was in there for four months, but we shot a thriller um, and it's basically about a 17-year-old homeschool teenager who starts to suspect that her mom is keeping a uh, sort of a sinister secret from her. And the first half of the film is a little bit of an investigation um, into what this secret could be. And then once that little secret is discovered, the movie becomes something else entirely. Uh, it stars uh, Sarah Paulson. She's playing the mom, uh, and she's incredible. And we have a total newcomer named Kira Allen, um, who we found after a almost global search uh we found her um, at Columbia University, and she dropped out of school uh, for the semester to to be in 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 the movie, and and she kicks ass. She's so good. Awesome. Yeah. Super, Super excited. Excited. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Super. Excited. That's really exciting. Cool. Well, so where can people find you online? Where can they find searching? Uh, they could find us on Twitter, I guess. Sebo, yep. Sebo Hanyan and Anish Chaganti. Yep. Our names. Instagram, Twitter, Instagram. The, same, the usual, the usual uh-huh, spots. Cool. And searching, searching is now on Blu-ray and iTunes and VOD and everywhere else. And airplanes in around the world. It is airplanes right. around the world. I can't wait yeah, to see it on airplane. Like so cool. The people <laughs> send photos of that stuff and like other people watching it. That's been the coolest. I think the coolest thing for Sick. me. Watching on an airplane would be an interesting experience. One of the other writers for Lessons from Screenplay, Brian watched it on his computer, and he that said that would be kind of surreal, like a mind like yeah. trippy. Sure, experience. yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm sure that's what he said. Yeah, especially yeah. when it's like the full wide shot with the desktop yeah yeah, yeah it's like, trippy well. <laughs> um awesome thank you guys so much yeah. for coming on the show thank this you was super great yeah. thank you very much thanks Mike. thank you Alex. yeah thank you, yeah. Great, thank you guys great great talk yeah. yeah hey guys michael here hope you enjoyed the conversation make sure to subscribe to beyond the screenplay wherever you get your podcasts and feel free to hit us up on twitter to share any feedback you have what you want more of what you want less of etc 
Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next episode.